0: Hi, welcome back to The Clinical Spiritualist. My name is Morgan Thomas, she, her, and I'm a queer therapist and coach. I'm passionate about uplifting the LGBTQ plus community through client-centered care. And I'm also a spiritual practitioner who specializes in tarot. During the pandemic, I embarked on a spiritual journey that led me into questioning everything about myself and my life. I came out as bisexual, left religion, began reading tarot, and started my own business. I'm passionate about sharing honest stories in hopes of bringing healing, curiosity, and new insights into your world. As always, take what resonates and leave what doesn't. Let's get into today's episode. Hi there. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. I would like for you to introduce yourself with your name, your pronouns, a little bit about you and your life and your business. Okay, cool. My name's is Massey Armistead, uh,
1: also on Instagram as Massey the Self-Love Witch. Um, pronouns, she and her. Uh, a little bit about me. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, I am a self love coach, a mystic, a poet uh love all things astrology, moon, mm-hmm. all of that good stuff. I'm very passionate about it all um yeah that's that's the brief summary of me. There's a lot though I'm interested in all
0: things spirituality, so yes. Isn't that like such a a gift, but also like, I wish I could just quit being so interested in everything all the time. Truly. But do you know what was
1: great? A psychiatrist recently I met with was like, I kind of told her I had some shame around how much I love to learn and how much I love to like just soak everything in. And we had just been talking about how I have drank since I was uh, probably 14 or 15 and stopped drinking when I was 30. So that's over half my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was like, you're probably just discovering all these things and like making up for lost time. And it was so validating. I was like, "Yes," cause like we so often want to like, I don't know, you hear one person say it. And then I latched onto it. Like, I'm like, I'm interested in too many things. I don't have a niche. And then I just like have, Judged every time. I'm like, I want to take that training. I want to do
0: this, and I don't think it's even my own
1: judgment oh, at all. Yeah,
0: yeah. I feel that. I feel like with uh, just kind of the our the way our society is, like you're a nurse, you are a doctor, you are a lawyer, you know. And I get caught up in this. I'm like, okay, so am I a therapist or am I a spiritual mentor or am I a Reiki practitioner or am I a tarot reader? And it's like, I've been seeing a a lot of people be like, I'm, I'm everything. I'm, it's okay to have multiple interests at one time. And so that's where I'm, I've been kind of thinking lately, what are my top priorities and kind of focuses right now, which is therapy, coaching, the LGBTQ plus community and tarot. And I still offer other things. I've just kind of reframed the way I think it of like, what do I want at the forefront, but what is still kind of like lingering around me that you know, if someone books a reiki session, I'm very passionate about that. Um, I feel it, that. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. no, no, um, I
1: didn't at all. Yeah, that's how it is for me. Like I have a lot. If you go to my booking site, it's like so many options. But I, I feel similarly, like I kind of have to go with what what I'm feeling like even month by month. Like mm-hmm. um, but it's always there. And so somebody books it, I'm like, great, uh, let's do it. Um but like, I'll have little moments where I'm like, I'm really gonna promote this one thing. And then, you know, kind of just like hoping if people look at my website, they're like, oh, wow, I can do all this other stuff too. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. And interestingly enough, Massey and I are <laughs> in a class together, <laughs> our second
1: class together. Yes, our second class together. Yes, we did past life regression with mm-hmm. Mickey Cosmo, mm-hmm. and now we're in um, an intuition class with Sarah Stickland. Is that how you say your last name? I should I know. Be- I believe so. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Shout out to her. She's amazing. She's cool. Go find her. <laughs> She's so great. Um, yeah, I just love being in classes. I love learning. I love deepening my connection. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it for me is community like I really like crave community and that's something in the next iteration of my business I want to focus on more is like creating my own and how that's gonna look um yeah which I'm really excited about um like right now I'm just, I'm starting. It's it's the thing is you get these ideas and you want to do it all at once. Mm -hmm. And I'm a very all or nothing person. And so I'm like, okay, let's start with just hosting a moon circle. Um, and just starting with that and seeing, you know, if people respond and if they want to come and then going from there, you know, and letting Mm -hmm. it grow naturally. But Yeah.
0: I actually just did a tarot reading for myself when I, before we got on here and, um, I drew the three pentacles for, um, I don't know for some question, but, uh, I definitely like it was the message surrounding. I want to create my own community. Um, yes, I don't know really how to go about that or what kind of focus, but yeah, it's very important to me. And I um, actually was one of the scholarship winners for Sarah's course, which is why I took it like the half off. Were you the first one? So was I. <laughs> What'd you say? So was I. Oh, you were. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, so I felt like that was a huge sign. And I was like, cause I don't know, sometimes I get scared with, with money, which is a whole thing. So I felt like, okay, this is, this is good. Um, same thing
1: like I was like she sent an email it was like Mm -hmm. reply to this to get half off and I was kind of like not gonna do it because I've set an intention with myself like okay, free trainings right now, things that are free to you, they will come through you like allowing myself to do that. But then I was, I've set the intention for this year, like, no, nothing to pay for just because I'm trying to have some self-discipline around that. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I replied to her email being like, I'd love to be entered into the scholarship you know and I, yeah when i got half off i was like okay i'm going to let myself do
0: this thing <laughs> you know
1: so yeah,
0: yeah. i definitely felt like it was my uh permission and it's something that i just as much as i feel like i i know i have intuition and it comes through in client sessions there's still this block with my personal life where it's like I can't figure out what is anxiety, what is into intuition, and then all of like the the messaging I get for the people around me, I let influence me. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm I'm very excited to like I think Sarah said it, just build like a set of like strengthen that that muscle that we're not taught about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and
1: I was thinking about like one of your questions you sent over for today was like. Your spiritual journey. And I, of course, was thinking like back to childhood because I feel like such a cliche. But when I was a kid, I was so much closer to divine spirit, all those things. And just like it's really a bummer, all the things we take in through life that just tell us we're not connected because Mm -hmm. we are. Every, I believe every single person has psychic ability Mm -hmm. and we're all connected. And if you think about it, it's like, we're all just energy and matter just kind of like floating around, even though our bodies are more concrete, you know, (laughs) but still we're just like floating, you know, and we're really all connected. When you touch another person, it's like bringing like matter together, you know, I can get all weird, but you know, it's just, (laughs) it's, I don't know. It's just really interesting to me. And, um yeah, so much of letting, letting what society has told
0: us go, you know, Mm -hmm. I would love to know more about your spiritual journey and kind of how you have arrived on this path. Yeah.
1: So like I was saying, when I was little, I was such a sensitive child, like so sensitive. Um, and of course judge that immediately, like, and, and it was like my job and my family unit I believed was to ask for nothing, have no needs. Like, and that is what I did. Like people always were like, Oh my God, Massey. I'm one of four kids. They would be like, Oh, Massey, she's the best child. She's so good, you know? And so it got reinforced over and over. Um, and I think through just being so sensitive to everything around me and hearing that message over and over again of like, Oh, Massey's, you know, so great. She doesn't need anything. Like Mm. we love getting to babysit. She just sits in a corner and reads and takes care of herself, you know, um, that carried on. And, um, I I really go there. I hope that's okay. Um, so I, uh, struggled a lot in high school with, and still do um, with anxiety and depression. I started drinking really early. I was like the instigator of my friends. (laughs) Um, My rebellion came out. So I was like, I've been nice for so long. And then it was like, boom, she's loud. She's funny. She's the party girl. She is out there, you know, (laughs) like it was like, Mm -hmm. bam. And then that carried on until I was 30, which was about, uh three years ago. I get actually I stopped drinking when I was 29. Um and so that was when things started to change. It was around that time um I started having panic attacks and Um, had panic disorder and was struggling with that. And I was going through a time where I was struggling in a relationship I was in. Mm -hmm. It was really intense. And before that, I have been very, I don't believe in anything. Um, Atheist, fuck everything against it. Mm -hmm. Y'all are dumb if you believe in a higher power because I felt so, I was so disconnected. I had put so many things in my way to stay distant from my own feelings to other people's feelings. I couldn't handle it. Like I was like, no way. Um, and I, uh, over time, when I stopped drinking, I found my, one of my mentors, her name's Holly Rayney. I went to see her for a tarot reading and Reiki. And I was like, Oh, this is really interesting. Even though I was like the atheist who was like, I'll go get a tarot reading. I think like deep down I was, my, my spirit was like, let's go. We're going to go on this journey. Like Mm -hmm. something called me there. I don't know what. And then I did a mentorship with her and, um, it was during the time when I was going through my breakup that I started reading tarot like every day. And, um, it was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. Like somebody who doesn't ask for her needs to be met standing up and being like, you are not meeting my needs. We have to end. Um, but tarot supported me through that for the first time in my life. I felt empowered and connected to spirit because I was just like this is not coincidence that all these cards are like showing up the way they are I've never experienced anything like it before like I was like wow magic is fucking real like I had such an exciting time just being like anything's possible even though I was like at rock bottom you know um Mm -hmm. and then since then things have just taken off just uh, I, I'm a Reiki master now and mm-hmm. really interested in astrology, read tarot, um, and then my self-love journey. Uh, I've always been that girl that people are like, how are you so confident? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, um, but I'm not. <laughs> like I'm glad you think that, but I'm so insecure. But mm-hmm. I would just like run through the ocean in like a two piece, and I guess that was always a backhanded compliment when people are like, "You don't seem so confident." I'm like, "Oh, because I'm chubby and swimming." Like Will you say that to a skinny off. person, yeah, yeah. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> politely, politely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um and so. I sat down one day and I was like, I'm going to write out everything I know about self-love and what has helped me heal the relationship with my body. And I, as I say, heal, it is a healing process Mm -hmm. because I still have days where I feel insecure. Um, and while that was happening, I was like, dang, I want to work with people one-on-one talking about this. I don't want, don't want to just make a booklet and sell it. Like I want to work with people and it, you know, I guess Facebook heard me or whatever, an ad came up that was like self-love coaching. And so Mm -hmm. I jumped into that. And um, yeah, just all these things have kind of fallen in my lap and I've required all these tools and
0: skills. And yeah, long answer for you. I loved it. I loved it. Um, (laughs) I definitely learned some new things about you. And thank you for being vulnerable and, and sharing a little bit about your story. I know that that's just a very scoped out version Um, you know we're humans and have very intimate lives and details that you know we could speak for hours and hours so thank you for giving us a glimpse into your journey you're so welcome (laughs) I definitely noticed a lot of similarities in our in our story I know that you and I have connected um before with a lot of like um conversations around like codependency and toxic relationships um, but even going back to the childhood, yeah, I was I was very much taught you're empathetic, you're so caring, and like these became my identity. And that's you know, it still is a little bit a part of my identity, but I learned at a very young age how to stand up for the kid on the school bus, how to treat others with kindness, and all these things that you know are great skills to have, but I never was taught how to turn that inward and how to feel my own feelings. I was so hyper-focused on the best friend, you know, who's going through something and, you know, other people in my life, like it was, my empathy was so outsourced that I was hurting and I just, I never was taught how to tune in. Um, I never went to a therapist until I was an adult. I just, and that led to, you know, I'm getting older reaching high school and yeah, immediately started drinking. I, for my senior superlative, which I was very proud of for so many years, but now I'm like, "Mm," it was, um, most recognizable laugh, which I will always be proud of. Um, but life of the party, I was very much known as Morgan. She's so fun. Like she she'll get on the table and kiss everybody. And like all these things that like, yes, I still have a part of me like that, but It was an identity. Then I started to, oh, I'm, I'm the fun. I'm the cool girl. Um, but then I just denied all of my needs. I thought, oh, I'm so extroverted. Everyone wants me at their things. But now that I'm uh, 26, near and 27, I have realized I've always been introverted. I don't like people. <laughs> I so identify
1: with that. Like I would be the person who would like be the last one at a party, but that's because honestly, if I'm being honest with myself, um it was probably a little bit of addiction coming through of just like Ooh. I don't I don't want to stop drinking. That really was what it was. I really want to help um myself feel good and avoid bad feelings and mm-hmm the truth was like around when I quit drinking is I was like, I feel like shit when I drink and within my relationship, like I own my part. Mm-hmm. I was so scared of confrontation and so scared of like being a burden and also being rejected that I would purposely, but like not like purposely, you know, like I wasn't like, I'm going to get a hammer tonight so I can tell him everything I've been wanting to say, but it was like, Mm -hmm. that's what was going on. And like the last night that I ever drank, um, that happened. And I literally was that crazy girl who was like, he, like, we went to a wedding and he wanted to go out with his friends after. And I was like, I'm coming, I am coming. And I like, and he was like, no, I'm just going to go be with my friends. And I was not having it. I, it was like, such a mess. And then we both went home and I just chewed his ass out, which like discredited me because it was everything I said, I stand by and needed to be said. But when you're drunk and screaming at someone that is not healthy, you know, and it's like, that's not the way to do it. So I had to own my shit. Like I really Mm. had to look at it and be like, okay, I never want to feel like this again. And I used to say, I was like, as soon as I feel comfortable with confrontation and asking for my needs to be met, that's when I'll drink again. What I've realized is there may never be a time where that happens. I will get better at it, but I may not come to a complete like, oh yes, I can't wait to go have some confrontation and I can set my boundaries and be so strong. Like probably going to have to come back to them again and again, you know, and Um, make mistakes along the way. So so as of right now, I probably won't be drinking for a
0: long time. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That is, yeah, that is, has a lot of truth to it. Um, And isn't it so hard and humbling and, and yet a little healing or maybe a lot of healing when you realize your own shadow and like the, uh, the, the part you play and your own suffering. Oh. That, Yeah. I remember in my last relationship, really is. It, it still shows up. I've, I've found out recently I have a lot more healing to do. I'm in another very like humbling state of like, Oh, there will always be more work to, to be done. I thought, Oh, I did two years of consistent therapy. I, you know, healed a lot in which I did, but like now a whole new can of worms is opened up, but, um, yeah, realizing that in my last relationship, you know, I blamed and I blamed and I blamed you're doing this and that, and this, you're not giving me what I need. And there's truth to that, but then I would do emotionally abusive behaviors to get that message across because I didn't know how to, to regulate, you know, I was drinking a lot, um, uh, just a lot of, you know, you, you break up, you go see other people and it's just messy. And then, you know, we break up and I'm like, Oh, I'm setting a boundary. I'm doing what's best for me. Like, goodbye to you. And then this person leaves one, I'm going through withdrawal because I'm so addicted. And I don't say that lightly. I'm so addicted to the chaos with that person. And yes. also I start going to therapy and a mirror is held up in front of me that, this is my fault too. And yes, it humbles the shit was, out
1: of you. <laughs> that was such a hard realization for me was like, you were, you were toxic too. Like, because mm-hmm. the blame game was big and I can play the martyr. I can play the, play the victim big time. Like he did this, he did that. that. And, um, I actually told him after we broken up, cause he'd always asked me if I was pissed. Cause I'd like make a grumpy face or like, you know, glare at him when he was doing something I thought was disrespectful or I didn't like. And he'd always be like, are you mad? And I would always say no. And I finally admitted to him this was after we broke up. I was like, yeah, all those times that you felt that way, I, I was being passive aggressive. Like, I was taking that out on you, you know? And like, in a way I lied in the relationship too. Cause like, that's not being honest. That's being dishonest. And I'm trying to pretend that I'm someone I'm not, you know? Um, That was a hard realization (laughs) to come to. I was like, oh shit. Mm -hmm. I wasn't perfect either. And me not having the tools to set boundaries, it's really... It really affects the people in your life. Like, I think it's easy to be like, "Oh, the codependent person," like they're the one who's hurting and struggling, but like they have to be held accountable as well Absolutely. of like doing their own work. And you know, and I'm like anxious attachment too, and um, so it, it's a lot of anxiety that I didn't mm-hmm. know how to handle. I, like you were saying, addiction, and I still work through it. I still have moments where. I mean, I say I relapsed recently Mm -hmm. because honestly, quitting to drink alcohol feels easy compared to letting go of my ex.
0: Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: Like, and I had like a relapse when we were like talking and communicating and the shame that came with it was so strong. And that's part of the self-love is like, for me, it was such a big thing to stop judging myself for feeling that way. Like there was so much judgment around it like you should be over this. You should not care about this. That I was like I'm a fucking self-love coach. Like and I'm over here shaming wow. myself. You know like if you're listening and you're wondering the coaches need coaches too and therapists mm-hmm. too. We have to do the work like um but yeah and and it may always come back. I Saw my therapist today and she was like, you're going to drive down streets probably the rest of your life that are going to make you think of him. And that's okay. Like he'll come in your dreams sometimes. Like you don't have to like dive down because like you were saying with addiction where I can be very much, okay, a song came on. That was our song. I'm going to play it five times in a row and I'm going to cry and then I'm going to get angry and then I'm going to do all these things. Mm -hmm. There's like a fine line in acknowledging and being like, Thank you for this experience. Like I honor myself and how I feel, and mm-hmm. also not letting yourself dwell on it. Let the emotions like move through you, which mm-hmm. is challenging, especially for those of us who may have not let ourselves feel the emotions in the first place.
0: Mm. I are you comfortable if we stay on this topic? I really think there's a lot of important conversation to have around this. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, because I don't think it's coming from a mental health perspective, we don't talk about the detriment that emotional addiction has on the mind and the body. And I don't think I've ever talked with a therapist, you know, when I, when I've said these behaviors and these thought patterns that I have about an ex that they really reflect back to me, the like how hard it is, how hard it actually is to recover. And so I've, I still feel this way. So to kind of give some context, I'm in a new partnership. We've been together officially for almost two years. You know, I'm in love with her and we're planning a life and commitment and all these, and all these things. And she knows this. So, um, it's, it's no surprise. I don't think she, I don't think I always share, but almost every single night I have a dream about my ex. I think about my ex every week. Um, And it's not because I think, oh, we're going to be back together. Oh, they're my like soulmate, which I think we can have multiple soulmates Mm
1: -hmm. for different
0: times of our lives. I, I try everything. Like my brain is so conditioned. My brain has traveled these thought patterns. This person and I had basically an on and off again for a decade. Um, And so my body and brain are trying to work through this still. And no, I don't, you know, reach out like I used to, or do these like, um, very obsessive type of behaviors anymore, but the thought patterns can feel so exhausting. And I just really want to like affirm for people who have experienced, I mean, it's love addiction, And it's not in the DSM-5, which is what therapists use to diagnose, but it needs to be because a lot of people experience this because a lot of us come from chaotic childhoods, at least emotionally chaotic, that we all try to replay it out as we get older and that's okay. And so really what I want to speak to is that this empathy and this like self-love piece we can have because a breakup is so much different than a breakup where you were addicted to it. Yes, that's so validating too. And
1: that's all I wanted mm-hmm. was like just somebody to say they understand. Like I was like, I don't want to be judged. I don't want anyone to try to fix it. I'm like going to cry on this podcast. <laughs> it's like, I don't want anyone to try to fix it. I just want someone to say they know that it fucking hurts and it's so hard because it really did feel like an addiction that even mm-hmm. now like it's very active for me you know what I mean like oh yeah if he called right now I'd be like yes what do you need I'm here you know <laughs> but that's why I have a strong boundary with myself of, like I'm not reaching out I'm not <laughs> doing that um there was something else you said that like really lit me up and I can't remember what it was um Maybe about like the, oh, what I was thinking of when you were saying that is it's so hard to let go of too, because like in this partnership, he didn't ask me to do this, but I only saw myself through his eyes for five years.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, and that's the freaking truth. Mm -hmm. And that's on me. I gave that my power away. And I was just looking at myself through what is he like? what is, and and, so there was no authenticity. Like he probably barely got to see the real me when you really think about it. If it was five years, I mean, I'm there were moments of course, but, and so even after we break up that voice that I made up in our relationship of like what he's thinking all the time stays. (gasps) Oh, and (laughs) you know, know and that's really hard that's like when you think of like somebody who leaves a situation that's like really toxic and and i'm not putting that on him that was on me i gave that to myself like i took that on um but like it's really hard to take that away like i go to teach yoga and i'm like would he be proud of me would he like this outfit you know what i mean and it's like but I have to detach. Like it's gotten a lot better, but mm. especially like the first couple of years after. <laughs> yeah, it's been three years, guys. So we're ah. still going with the breakup, don't worry. Um Yeah. It was really intense, you know, just uh-huh. like, you know, that it's hard to break that thought pattern.
0: Yes. Yes. And especially when your brain is reinforcing things through dreams or like images. And then you're and then you're triggered. Um, and I don't know if I said this, but it's been three years since I've not been in contact with this person, but uh since we were together, since I asked him to move out and we broke up and all the things. Um and I feel like I'm looking in a mirror. <laughs> it's crazy and we've we've talked about this via um instagram dms and like if that's you and i bonding so like our stories are aligning so well like imagine all the other people who maybe don't have someone else who's reflected this back to them or you know they just tell themselves they're crazy over and over i really thought what the hell is wrong with me and sometimes that comes up still but thank god i have like you know, some resources and and education and things that I've, I've looked into, but I remember when we first broke up, the kind of craving I would get to talk to this person was so intense that I remember doing kind of like cognitive behavioral therapy with my therapist of, I would have to set a timer and put my phone in a different room like five minutes sometimes seemed unbearable to not try to engage with this person. Um, just, just things like that. Like I would have to do like behavioral things to try to get my mind, but like the obsessive and ruminative thoughts that, that occur, like it still shows up. And what I try to remind myself is, okay, look to the past. When you first broke up, what was it like? It felt like hell. Um, it doesn't feel that intense anymore. It's more of kind of like annoying, like this is a good metaphor, like an an annoying little fly that like keeps trying to like come up in my space. And I'm like, no, no, no. But if I give into it just a little bit, like, yes, like keep playing a song that's reminding me of my breakup, then I could be there the rest of the day. And so it really like, um taking the continuum of how long this has been going on and saying, okay, well, I don't text them. You know, I don't star six, seven, call them or like, whatever. Like I've done some like crazy, which I know is a stigmatizing word, but I've done some crazy shit. And, um, that's okay. Because clearly like, I'm not, I, I have autonomy and I'm in control of my healing. And also, you know, my brain is my brain is addicted. My brain has been addicted. Cool. Noticing like the healing that I've, that I've done. And that, you know, if I think three years from now, okay, I will be doing a lot less of this thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. All of this is so
1: validating and, um, yeah, it really just takes time. It takes time like anything else, you know? And it's interesting because I still have the second hand emotions around this so much like the judgment and the shame um that I actually have never like I have the space to like coach or post around this because it's been such a present thing for me but I have never openly talked about this mm-hmm. like this before. This is the first time. Like, if if I was talking one on one, oh yeah, my life's an open book, I'll tell you. But I've always stopped myself from ever writing about my ex or posting about it, even though it is such a present thing for me because I feel like there's just so much stigma around it. Even as a writer and a poet, mm-hmm. like I went to grad school right after we broke up for creative writing and i would feel embarrassed at my poems or like breakup poems or love poems and i'm not going to lie i did get some judgment around that like one of my professors said like and he was right but he was like dang i just feel like this guy lives in your brain rent free and i was like he does like but <laughs> also like i need to write through that so like can you not add a label to it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and just let me express what I need to express because like, it's got to go somewhere. Like I need to make art out of this somehow. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, The shame is, yeah. Like, like I will say, like I've said things to family and friends before, like I still dream about this person. I still think about this person. They're like, basically like, well, he treated you like shit. And, you know, that they're biased, you know, they heard probably what I wanted yeah. them to hear. Um, exactly. And even if I, you know, and I have shared the ways that I was toxic, they're still going to think, you know, whatever. Yes. But just kind of like, like the time heals everything. And that is not true. It's like time and work and, and also realizing that sometimes even when you're doing the therapy and the journaling and the, you know, challenging your own thoughts and objectively thinking, like it's still just, it still takes time and you can do all the things and it's still going to cut deep, but know that just like with any other healing or addiction, there is, there is recovery. And like, I don't, related to substance abuse lightly. Um, it is different. It is similar as well. All addictions are. Um, but I kind of think about it. Like when people say that they're in recovery for, let's say alcohol, I see, I have a couple of people in recovery and they'll post and like, they've been sober for three years, but like on, you know, 4th of July or some sort of drinking type of holiday, they're like, damn, I want to drink. The craving is really high and that's where I kind of relate it is like the craving comes through and it, it may always, I I hope, I hope to God, not, I really hope there comes a day where I'm not thinking about our relationship, but yeah, it also may be here for a long time. Exactly. I feel like that's the codependency
1: work too. It's like, it, you may have more tools to work with it and a better understanding of it. Um, but it doesn't mean it's just going to be like easy. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I may think of him every new year's or every birthday or whatever. Um, but does that mean I have to react? Do I mean that has like, that has to ruin my day? No. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think that the stigma around, not getting quote unquote not getting over an X
0: mm-hmm.
1: has to do with our culture's uncomfortability with death or with being with painful emotions.
0: Mm. yeah, yeah, I think it has everything to do with that that we want lot people's lives to be very linear, you know, you graduate, you go to college, you find the love of your life you get married, yada, yada. And so when this codependency experience happens where it's not linear, it's very kind of messy. And I say that lovingly feelings, it doesn't fit this very comfortable narrative. So I think it really, you know, we look at fairy tale tales and it's like, oh, they said goodbye to their toxic stuff and they met the love of their life and they lived happily ever after. But really I'll take my story I'm in love with someone now and I still have love for that other person. And you know I've I'll share intimately um, there have been days where I've like, you know, my partner and I sleep next to each other where I've woken up and I've just cried about this person because the pain feels, so deep of like I miss them I'm thinking of them I worry about them and I I wouldn't be able to have a um, healthy relationship now not that we don't have our flaws and moments of unhealthiness on both parts but I wouldn't be able to be in a relationship if I couldn't be honest about I think about him and no I don't share every thought that comes up with her um, because that's not fair either but she understands the hold that it still has on me and the education piece around why. Um, and really for me, it, everything always relates back to childhood. You know, I never dealt with the fact that I felt abandoned by, by my, my dad. And I always thought, oh, you know, my parents got divorced. I'm, that's not a big deal. Everyone's parents get divorced. And then, you know, you're in these addictive things and you go seek help. And then you're like, whoa, I never addressed what happened when I was eight. And I felt like, you know, my dad would, would come in and see me and then he'd leave. And then, you know, very inconsistent. There's the addiction. You know, I get that hit when I see my dad and cause I love him and all these things. And then he leaves and then I, the, the love withdraws, and, um, you know, parents are flawed people. I'm not going to sit here and blame my parents to death. I, I love them both dearly. Um, but context, context for what you're experiencing. So to answer your original question, yes, I think we're very uncomfortable when, you know, people are uncomfortable with grief. People are uncomfortable with, you know, it's grief. It is stages of grief. And so when someone dies, you know, literally dies, um, they're always missed. And people have these different ranges of emotion who lost that person for the rest of their life. And I'm not comparing it exactly because it is different, but I compare it similarly because it is, you're grieving someone.
1: It's a type of death, you know, it's a metaphorical death. And I, I, it makes me wish that we had more room in our culture to teach, like growing up, like being okay with being in uncomfortable emotions, because the less we're okay with it, the more we don't feel them, the less they move through us, the more they're held on to, you know, and we also just can't be there for the ones we love. Like we want to fix, we want to fix the problem instead of just being with
0: that. -hmm. And I know
1: that is a thing for me too. It's very hard for me. I'm like, you call me and you have a problem. I wanna fucking have a solution. I wanna make you happy and I wanna make you feel Mm. good. But sometimes, like that's a me thing. That's me trying to make myself feel good. Yes. You know, like Mm. that's not necessarily gonna help them. Like they don't they're not a problem to be fixed. They just want you to be there with them, you know? Um I know I'm like coming in with all the questions, but I had another question too, that I was just thinking on. Cause it has to do with like spirituality and kind of like spiritual concepts mm. in relation to this topic. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I get a little, um, I feel some critique towards the language and the, thought process that like you attract what you are, you know, all of that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff, like the secret mindset, you know, sometimes it's, it can be toxic, but in terms of relationships, because I found that I think this was true for me, Mm -hmm. that my ex was a mirror for how I felt about myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I really do. Like, I feel like both of us were, I think I was a mirror for that too. My passive aggressiveness and my judgment and my eye rolls and all that stuff. I think we both found each other and we were like reflecting that back to each other. And for me, it was like, I don't have any self-worth. I don't really need you to show up for me, you know, like those kind of things. But that was really how I felt about myself. Mm -hmm. How do you feel in terms of that concept spiritually as a therapist um, who works in the spirituality world as well? Like, do you think that's a toxic way to look at it? Or do you think there's room for nuance there? Um, I'm a very black or white person, so (laughs) I'm finding the gray area these days. That's something I'm working on.
0: Yeah. I, I would say that there's nuance there. I would say, I definitely agree with you that, You know, the whole vibration conversation kind of makes me uncomfortable sometimes, but I would say I was operating out of vibration very similarly to my ex and my current partner now we're kind of vibrating at a similar level, we have differences, um, but both of us are active in our healing journey, the past we both were inactive in our healing journey and taking accountability you know, yeah. I always thought, oh, I'm the one who's working on themselves because I applied to college and I went to college and I, you know, was making money and A's. And I thought that meant working on myself, but I wasn't heal actively healing, and neither was he. And I think, yeah, we attracted to reflect and both of our wounds just like, you know, he was avoidant, I was highly anxious, and we just like yeah, clashed. And um I think that the possible, um, like, um, harmful conversation that could come in with that or kind of spiritual bypassing would be if someone's experiencing abuse being like, well, you're, you kind of like attracted that or, um, you know, you're vibrating on whatever. So there needs to be clarification around that conversation, but I definitely agree with that is, you know, when, when I was with this person more consistently for like three years or so, I had just found out something very traumatic. I um, was, you know, developed, developed PTSD. I was very depressed. And this person had a lot of mental health barriers as well. You know, we both were very depressed. We both were very insecure and I didn't have language for the understanding then, but like we were, you know, smoking cigarettes and, um, you know, going to parties together and just living a different life that I don't live anymore. Um, But nuance, we had all these kind of toxicities, but also I think that we were able to love each other in a way that was helpful for that time in my life. I wouldn't be able to receive that love. That love is not something that I I need a different kind of love now where, you know, it was a more immature love, but still someone who was consistent and showed up in his own way. Um, I think it also had benefit to where I was in that, that time, because I could have had a partner like I have now come in. I'm not ready for that. Mm -hmm. I could, no, no, no way. I, um, healthy love is a different kind of, hard because there's a lot of benefit to the different vibration or toxicity type of love. Um, you are receiving a benefit. I mean, it, it's kind of fun to be toxic. Like there are benefits to it.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. For so I sure. Know I mean, I, I, no, it does. It does for sure. And I, I love finding the nuance that's like another one of my goals for 2022 Mm -hmm. don't have to be so black and white Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is a challenge I think that's a defense mechanism as well I'm like Mm -hmm. I need to know is it right is it wrong Mm
0: -hmm. like some things
1: are in the middle right okay
0: yeah it's like all about it's all about delivery and intention and yeah I think that's like could be across the board and spirituality is like you can say like just explain explain what you're trying to say and make sure I think it comes down to like this kind of like trauma-informed piece that everyone needs in that space um because we're working with vulnerable clients anyone who has hurt is vulnerable I think as humans we're all vulnerable in our own way and so yeah it's all about context and language um I would like to share. This is this. Oh my god, I love tarot. I pulled a tarot card for our podcast today, and I'd like to show you. So, okay. for the listeners, I sent Massey a list of questions related to spirituality, self-love, and you know, that's that's pretty much the basis of it. Well, we kind of went off on a different conversation, which I love and I think is important, and I think this tarot card really reflects the. Conversation we had today. Do you want to guess what it is? It's a major arcana card.
1: Well, it's hard because I feel like the lovers would be too obvious. Mm-hmm. It's um, hmm. I don't know. You, 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 t- you tell me. Okay. The devil. <gasps> of course. <laughs> well, I was close the lovers yes yeah, of course. I should have gone from the lovers to the devil of course like all the codependent things yes. yes and that even comes back to like what you were saying like there are good things that come out of those like toxic relationships or harder relationships for us mm-hmm. and honestly like when I think of the devil card, I think of freedom and liberation wow like within those relationships like that little devil on our shoulder or the devil over you as a couple's shoulder Mm -hmm. like is there kind of being like okay yeah follow my trickery because once you go deep enough you're gonna have to seek your own liberation from this And like for me for me that's like what happened is I was like this is not something I I can live in anymore like I just can't do this we're not neither of us are having our needs met and I'm going to have to like, set us free, even though there's still a little bit of that devil that's following me around being like, are you fully free yet? I don't think so. You know, like, but getting there, like, you know, yeah. I had to really step out of that and care for myself because my partner was not supposed to be my mom or my dad. And I was trying to make him that,
0: you Oof. know, Ooh, 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 yeah. kill me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I, uh, one Love. last, one last thing about the card, something that I learned is that, you know, the two people are, are chained, but they can easily just take it off. Like all you have to do is literally grab it and remove it and you're free. And, uh, that's a really, that's a really tough concept to, to understand. Um, I okay. really appreciate this conversation, this was healing for me and validating for me. And clearly we were meant to, we were supposed to, we were meant to go there. Um, so I just want to say thank you.
1: Thank you. Well, thank you so much. I got a little vulnerable
0: there. I almost started crying. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we can always edit things out as well. Um, lastly, how can listeners work with you And book with you.
1: Yeah. Okay. So you can find me at massyarmistead.com. I think it's a backslash booking. (laughs) Um and yeah, just find me there. I'm also on Instagram at massy dot the dot self-love one word dot which. If you want to check me out there, you can always message me or email me. um, yeah, if you're in Nashville, we can do stuff in person too. So yeah, that's how you can find me. Thank you, Massey. I really appreciate your vulnerability today. Thank you. So fun.